This is the final part of my J4 report. Let's talk about collections, Jakarta profiling, testing, and more. Welcome to the FooJ Podcast. All your news about OpenJDK. Check the previous FooJ podcast for the first three parts of my J4 report. That one-day conference in the Netherlands in November was packed with amazing sessions. In this episode, you'll get the remaining interviews I made that day. And as they say, last but not least, again I have some fascinating insights for you into Java and its evolutions. Let's start this last part of the J4 review with Maurice Naftalin, who has a long history in Java. I'm Maurice Naftalin, and I'm here, I'm here to talk about collections puzzlers with Dmitry Vyazelenko. So we have a talk where we uh, put up kind of slightly weird bits of code, but not all that weird, and, uh, and ask people, what, it, what does this do? And so we have a bit of fun, and then people get to vote, and uh, we can see how well people know the collections framework. Some of them are, some of the th- questions are quite obscure, but some of them are, some of them are uh, pretty instructive, I think. And what is the average score of your question? Uh, I, I don't know. The software assigns different colors of bars to the different votes. And generally speaking, pink seemed to do best. <laughs> What's your history in Java? How long are you using Java? Oh, I've been using Java since, since really early on, since the very beginning. I never could get myself comfortable with, uh, with C++. So in the 1990s, I found myself without a mainstream programming language that I really could enjoy. And this was the first time in my life that I didn't feel like I could, I had something in which I could just do side projects. So, so when Java came along, it, it, it did seem better. But what the main thing was, it didn't have the, all the things I hated about C++. And, and I really bought into the marketing hype. And it was very, very, it, uh, Java had a huge launch. So there was a period when it was so fashionable. But in the, in the very early days, everybody, including non-tech uh, people, had heard of it. And Java developers, were people were being dragged off the street and stuck in front of desks, to, in front of screens, to become Java developers. And I bought into that hype, and I've just stayed there ever since. And how do you look at what's currently happening in Java and all these six-month releases and new features popping up? Well, basically, I think that uh, I, I think the six-month cadence has been good. I mean, I, 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 get, I buy that I buy that hype as well. I think the developments in the language are mostly mostly good. It's very difficult in terms of the libraries. It's hard to I mean, like I, I know about the collections library because I'm, I, I write about that and I talk about that. And I have a new book coming out about okay. promoted, promoted <laughs> about, about all right. We're there about, <laughs> about generics and collections. It's a new edition of an old book. So there's a there's a book that's, uh, that I wrote in with Bill, with Bill Wadler in 2006 about generics and collections and. And I'm doing a new edition now. 2006, yeah, so that's yeah. a piece of updates. Well, yeah, but, you know, I mean, there certainly have been a lot of changes. There's needed a lot of revision. But you might, and, and, and I mean, you'd look at the old book and you'd say, oh, this is very out of date. There's a lot of out of date assumptions in there. But the substance of generics has not changed that much since yeah. Java 5. And the collections library changes relatively slowly because, you know, when you've got something as big as that with as much... And with as many um, requirements for backward compatibility, and that they're very, very determined about backward compatibility, and I appreciate that. I like that. And that's so, what, what that's what happens in Java. You have this backwards compatibility, yeah. 
which is one of the strong points. It's one of the strong points, but, it's, but it also means, I mean, what's, what I think is really interesting and challenging is not only do they have to think about each new feature, does this uh, affect existing code, but they also have to think, does this affect new features that we might introduce in the future? So it's a really complicated space to think about. And it's bound to be that as the language becomes more complex, mm -hmm. that the speed of, the speed of change is going to slow down. And that, that said, I think there are some really exciting developments. And I, you know, I've seen things, I mean, like, for example, I think Project Loom and Structured Concurrency, which will come after that, will really, will really be a game changer. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about about Valhalla because it's only in the last few years that I've come to realize how incredibly unsympathetic object-oriented programming is to the architecture of modern, modern computers. So there are still there is there is still plenty of progress to make. Yeah. Yeah. But we're making it, so that's a good I thing. Know, I think it's pretty exciting. Um, you're a speaker, but what sessions are you also joining? Sorry. Today, what what sessions? I just went. Well, I've only, um, <laughs> right. So I generally don't get too many sessions before I am speaking because yeah, normally I've got to sort out the presentation, and that was that was indeed the case. So I've only had the room for one talk since the presentation, which was on Kotlin and uh, and how um, uh, category theory concepts from category theory could help in could help in programming, and it looked like a really interesting talk. And I'm afraid. After a session I done presenting, I'm not always very alert, so I'm going to go back and look at the recording of that. It looked pretty good. Us Peters get back to me. Uh, you're doing a lot of talks, a lot of conferences. I'm not doing a lot at the moment because uh, I usually I usually do a few every year. Yeah. But this year I'm really trying to focus on getting that book done. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to I had to alter the slide that said. Today I have a uh, I have a slide basically advertising and saying, "Hey, two out 2023, 2024. Soon, I really do not want to have to alter. <laughs> it will be available soon, real soon now. Yeah, okay." Maurice isn't the only one who wants to promote a book. I talked with two other authors who came to the Fuji boot. Meet Ron and David, who shared info about virtual threads and Jakarta EE. Hi, my name is Ron Vane and I'm a Java developer and we're giving a presentation here on virtual threads and actually we're promoting a book that I wrote together with, with, with me. Oh. Yeah. And your name is? Oh, I'm David. So Ron, we gave a workshop about virtual threads. And yeah, like you said, we are, wrote a book about Java and yeah, migrating it to Jakarta EE. Wow. And the book is available. It's already published. Yeah, it's already published. You can find it on Amazon, for example, and yeah, it's there. Okay. Uh, if this is a podcast, then I will add a show notes with the link to the book that people can easily find it back. Oh, that would be perfect. Yes. Uh, virtual threads you mentioned. That's something new in Java. It is definitely it is. You know what? For virtual threads, I'll just pass it on to David because he has given I, I know like twenty presentations already on virtual threads. Yeah, so what do you want to know? What should people know about it? Virtual threads, in short, very great. You can create so many of them, but there are some use cases where they really shine, where you really want to use them, but also some parts that you want to watch out while using them. So in short, virtual threads are great. Use them for very long blocking operations, and you're really going to see some really great performance improvements. 
but I heard you really have to pick the use case. Yeah. It depends. That's the, always depends. The ever returning words we have here, it depends. So if you have one task that runs for a long time and is doing work constantly, then a virtual thread doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense, but that's not the only case. Like if you have a thread that works but for a very short time, then you also don't want to use it because all the overhead of switching from one virtual thread to another, all that overhead, you don't want it. Yeah. So, so where do you use it? Where you are waiting for a reply from a, a initiative? For example, or a REST web request. Those examples when you make a REST call, that's when you want to use virtual threads. Okay. Um, there's a lot of topics today. Yeah. What are you looking forward to? What did you already see? What do you want to see here? Well, the opening was very nice. And I'm really looking forward to the Fuji session later this day. So, uh, a Fuji session. Oh, yeah, we have a Fuji session. <laughs> And for you? Yeah, I think it's a bit the same. There's um, there, there's quite some interesting sessions. Uh, there's also, uh, yeah. we just missed Ivar's talk because he talked about Jakarta 11, which is, of course, also around the corner, mm -hmm. um, which isn't in our book yet. Um, and, and just to get back to the book a bit, um, you, you know... You want to promote it, I, I hear. No, no, it's <laughs> not just that, because I think a lot of people are underestimating that, you know, moving from Java... EE to Jakarta EE can still be a big step. If you're moving from Spring Boot 2 to 3, you're going to make have to take this hurdle, not only Java 17, but migrating to uh, Jakarta as well. So, um, what changed? I know the namespace changed. That's the, 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 the first thing you need to do. Yes. And then what, what, what did change further? Well, there's namespaces, there's deployment descriptors. So, so basically, if you look at it, you um, the first version of Jakarta EE actually was a one-to-one -one migration from Java X to Jakarta EE, um, and, and then in the second version, the, you got the, the namespace changes. So there was Jakarta nine, and then in ten, some additional functionality was added. Not that very like okay, there was like support for UUIDs and JPA and stuff like that. So there was some. There were some changes in there. Um, I think the real big change is going to come in uh, 11, where we are going to see uh, Jakarta Persistence, which is has definitely got some uh, some improvements. But I think really this step of migrating, because it seems very easy changing some namespaces, but from some of my customers, I already learned that uh, if you're integrating with like... Um, I got a customer who actually runs Java on a mainframe still. And then you got some connections to IBM specific versions, and then you might really get into mm -hmm. dependency problems because they need to upgrade too. So it isn't always a clear, um, a clear steps to follow. So, mm -hmm. and I think our book can actually help a bit with that. Okay. And are there other talks that you want to see also? Um, to be really honest, I just came back from a conference yesterday from uh, Bucharest, so I haven't really looked at schedule yeah. yet. But that's the problem. There's so many talks going on that people still need to choose whenever they leave the room and then have to decide for the next one. Yeah, and I think if I have to choose my second thing, that's something with Java language features or something. Okay. Um, what's besides the talk so important at a conference like this? Meeting people, is that something where you also learn from? Yeah, of course, because well, at a conference like this, you get to meet the experts who have been talking about it a lot, who are interested in the same topics. 
so yeah, it's really nice that like-minded people are yeah interested in Java as, mm -hmm. as much as we are. Mm -hmm. And you just come from another conference? Um, yes. First of all, I did come from a conference in Bucharest, Romania, where I gave a talk. But I think this is really what I really like about... I mean, I've been in Java for 20 years, like, and there I see Roy Wasser and stuff like that. For me, it's just reconnecting with people I met in these 20 years and customers I've been to and people I've worked with. This really feels like coming home. And um, that's... That's what I really like about Java. I think the, special, the, the atmosphere is so special. Yeah. As Ron mentioned, Ivor talked about Jakarta EE at JFall, and we also had a chat about it. Uh, I'm Ivar Grimstad, and I'm the Jakarta EE Developer Advocate at Eclipse Foundation. And here I'm uh, giving a talk on what's coming in Jakarta EE 11. We just had a few other guests in an interview who are also speaking about Jakarta and that it's evolving and new versions are upcoming. Uh, what yeah, do you I've, expect? I've, yeah I've, I've spoken to them. They, they've written a book about how to migrate from earlier versions to, mm -hmm. to uh, Jakarta EE. I've actually read the book, a free copy of it, because I'm, I'm writing an editorial review mm -hmm. of it. So it's a very good book. I can recommend it. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a nice migration path from previous versions. And all. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, is it a difficult migration if you have a big application? It, it, not necessarily, but it can be. There are some pitfalls, and, and these are the same migration issues you would get from migrating a Spring Boot 2 application mm -hmm. to Spring Boot 3 as well. One thing is the namespace, and that's fairly easy to cope with with your application code. But if you have any transitive dependencies or, or dependencies down the chain that you don't have the control mm -hmm. over the source over, that can be trickier. There are tools to help you with it. But um, yeah, that's the difficult part. We just had open rewrite here. so. That's one of the tools. Yeah, that's can... one of the tools. The other tools are the ones that do it on bytecode level, uh, like uh, the uh, Eclipse Transformer or the Apache Tomcat migration tool. They will take the bytecode and transform the namespace for you automatically, mm -hmm. and you can incorporate in in the build process. So it's it's very convenient tools. Mm -hmm. um, I'm glad the tools are out there to get this migration done easier. Yeah. Um, so you're mentioning uh, dependencies which are outdated. That there are so many dependency uh, libraries available in Java is one of the big strengths of the language, but is it also a problem because yeah they all have to be maintained and 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 updated to newer versions? Is that a problem for the Java system it's, itself? I don't know if it's a problem. It's more of a challenge and and an opportunity because if you see a library out there which is open source and you rely on it and you don't feel it's maintained enough, well, it's up to you to participate and, and do that maintain for, for mm -hmm. them. Because, I mean, open, uh, open source is all about like free of use and all of that kind of things, but you cannot require anybody to produce something that is available for free. Mm -hmm. So if you really rely on it, you should contribute back. And that's the discussion we just had. I, heard, I learned that there are only 10 people really active contributing to Maven which is then used by, by millions. Is, by millions. Um, yeah, it's a challenge, I guess, for most open source projects to find good people who want to contribute and, and keep contributing. Yeah, yeah it is. And, and uh, I, I think that's a very common scenario that we have a small group like Maven, 10 people and, and millions are using it. Many other libraries have, have the same, or tools have the same situation. And so, yeah. That, that's an encouragement to the community to go out there and, and contribute to the tools and, and libraries you use because mm -hmm. 
you benefit from them, so others will as well. Uh, Jakarta is within the Eclipse Foundation? Yes. It, it, does that mean that there is a structure behind it, that there is a company, that there are paid people working so, on it? So, both yes and no. Uh, Jakarta is totally open source. It's like any open source project like Maven out there. It's under the Eclipse Foundation. Uh, governed by the Eclipse Foundation. It's also governed by the Jakarta EE Working Group. And here's where the companies come in and participate and, and contribute together. So they are, we have contributors from companies, but we also have individual com contributors and they all uh, contribute on an equal level. So everybody is a committer in the system. There's no super committer or mm -hmm. any, uh, any others. We're all equals and it's a level playing field for everybody to contribute. Mm -hmm. And you are working for the Eclipse Foundation? Is, yes. That's uh, your job? Yeah, my job is to talk about Jakarta E and get people to encourage, uh, encourage to work with Jakarta E. And, and to use this, yeah. get conferences and, like this. And, and give them updates of what is changing. And Yes. So you have a frequent flyer card. I do. <laughs> and I think you have to run now because you have to catch a car. Yes, uh, I do. Okay. So, so thanks a lot for this short interview. Thanks yeah. for being a guest of yeah. the podcast. And uh, thank you for being at GFL. Yeah, thank you for having me. Another hot topic is profiling and understanding what is actually happening when your code is being executed. Johannes has already written a lot of posts about this subject on Fuji and came to talk about it at GFL. Hi, I'm Johannes. I'm a speaker here and I usually work at Submachine doing open source, um, open JDK stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have a talk today. Yes, I have a talk. And it's about? It's about profiling, as always. Like, I did this talk a few times now. Um, it's about writing your own profile in 240 lines of Java code. Wow. Uh, you write a lot about this topic on Fuji. Yes. You're I one do. of our authors. Um, so this is really your expertise, profiling? Yes. So I, I started at SAP uh, around two years ago, and I contributed to, for example, Async Profiler, and also writing currently my own JDK NASA proposal, for a new profiling API. So I know a little bit on profiling, and that's also what I wrote like on Fuji, currently like once a week. It's mm. usually every two weeks, a blog mm. post. So uh, you said you wrote a GEP, a Java Enhancement Proposal. Yes. Uh, how does this process work? I'm, I'm new to this. How does this work? So it works by praying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Praying so, to the gods. No, um, it, it, so, so I had the idea when I started at SAP, we, um, colleagues of mine had the idea, told me like, hey, there's a weird profiling API, async get call risk, it's not trade. Let's write something different. I was like, I'm new to this job. I can do impossible things. So I started, so essentially when I first did, I, um, um, I, I wrote some basic demo code and I wrote a proposal and then I submitted it as an issue, as a JEP issue into the um, Jira system for JDK. And then I told people about it and I went to uh, the first them uh, to first them to the Fuji room, told people about it. And then um, it got accepted as like a JEP, which means not really accepted like that it's in, but it got accepted by Mark Reinhold as a valid JEP proposal. Uh, as a chap candidate, uh, now I'm currently discussing with many people working mm. on it. And I have to fully rewrite it. So it's now uh, too many years since I started. It's like almost two years when I started. I hope I get it in like in JK24. Mm -hmm. That's like my current time frame. But it takes a lot of effort. But in the end, it will improve the profiling situation. Um, and especially for people that are using Loom currently, because Loom and profiling is 
It's not a trade currently, even with JFAR. So my chip will definitely improve things if it gets in. And that's where the praying part comes yeah. in. So JEPs live on OpenJDK project website. There yeah. you have a list of JEPs. So a JEP is first a proposal, and then it can get a number which is a bit lower to get into the system. So at yeah. one point, you can ex expect it to be in OpenJDK, correct? Yeah, so, so you get a number when you get candidate status. Mine as a candidate status is one, it's 435. So it's a candidate, which means it's like official enough, that it's worthy seen enough. But then um, you want to get to a stage where it's like accepted by people and when it's proposed to target and these are the things that you see on the project page where it's like, oh, these jobs are proposed for JK22 and so on. Okay, I will add if we... Uh, this interview will be in the podcast of Fuji, so I will add the link in the show notes to your proposal Thank and people you. can review it. Um, so, but you're saying this is a, a long ter time process, so it will not be in 22 or... Yes. No, yeah. So a colleague of mine did the um, enhanced null point exceptions where, you, where it tells you what went wrong, like yeah, the yeah. cost. And he was like, yeah, it took him two years. And it was a far simpler proposal. Yeah. My proposal entails and probably like and see API with 30 methods or so. His was fairly simple, but he still took like two years discussing with everyone. But the problem is when a chip is in, it's in for a long time. It has implications for all the users. So you want to make sure in the OpenJK to bring only like the best uh, chips in. And we continue on the profiling topic with Mohammed. My name is uh, Mohammed Abulaj. I work as a backend engineer in Spotify. Um, I'm originally from Morocco, lost now in the cold and dark Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, so yeah, I'm struggling a little bit with the darkness and the cold, but it is what it is. Uh, I'm default to uh, as a speaker and to mm -hmm. speak about continuous profiling uh, and how we can continuously improve our application from a monitoring point of view and performance point of view and resources point of view. Okay, and are you using specific tools for that? So the talk is more about the concepts, continuous profiling. I did present a couple of tools uh, that are uh, widely used in the market, such as Periscope, Pixie, Parka. Uh, some of them are ABPF-based, some of them use agents. But the idea is to introduce the audience to continuous profiling, profiling what it is, what is how it's different from what we call traditional profiling or profiling tools that are available a little bit into the safe point bias in the Java context, uh, and a little bit about JDK file recorder mm -hmm. or the async profiler. So yeah, it was more of a generic talk to give insights about a lot of a lot of things. Okay, and can you condense that talk into two sentences? What is, what should we know about profiling? So profiling is good, uh, definitely. It helps you to spot uh, hotspots and bottlenecks in our application. Uh, continuous profiling adds the dynamic time a flavor to it, uh, making it uh, continuously profiling an application 24-7 uh, with uh, tools that have less overhead on your application. With traditional profiling, we struggled with to have it in production because like that was mm -hmm. stress heavy and might slow down your application. With new tools, it has less uh, impact. Two to three percent, that's the overhead. So it makes it really ideal to run it in production. Mm -hmm. That's where the fun happens, right? So with that, you continuously monitor your application. You get insight about how, like, the full view, micro view about your code, 
both the code that you write and also the open source uh, or the tools or the other codes that you mm -hmm. bring to your application from the user space till the kernel. And from that, you can basically optimize your code, detect hotspots, detect the bugs that cause, our, uh, I mean, more resource consumption from CPU and memory. And that will eventually have the benefit in the future to have your application performing well and less resources, which means saving mm -hmm. costs as well. So it's not looking at where are errors and warnings happening in my, my code. It's more, where is my code slowing down, for instance? Exactly. That's the kind of stuff you're looking for. Exactly. Like both from a CPU, what's, why this function and method uh, taking so much time, consuming a lot of CPU? Why there is so much thinking in my memory, allocating a lot of memory? Why is that? Because like from a Java perspective, uh, there is the, GIS, the garbage collector that doing stuff to allocate that memory back mm. and claim it back. So that might impact your application. The heap, even what's in my heap, uh, to avoid those kind of memory leaks and stuff. So it's it's uh, it completes the pillars of observability, like the logs and the metrics and the traces, and adds this performance kind of how I'm doing in terms of performance mm. in the code I wrote, basically. I've worked in small companies on Java codes. And we were just producing applications and never worried a lot about these profiling. Do you see that companies are really looking into this now more and more? Uh, more and more, yes. Especially, especially that there is kind of a more tools, more open source. Uh, traditionally, they, they were hard to operationalize. Not a lot of resources. It takes time uh, to set up. Um, now with open source and cloud native, there is more work there that makes it really easy to gather those information. Uh, could We could go for open source versions that you can install for free, and then you get those insights. And the more you have those insights, coming the next day, having a look at your flame graph, detecting where the hotspot is, questioning how, why this actually is happening, uh, help you to better become a better developer like understanding why it is happening and also write a more performance code and impact on the business because like your, your application is performing better. Hildbrand is one of the many attendees and we talked just after he joined to talk about profiling. But we also touched many other subjects like upgrading applications to newer Java versions. Uh, my name is Hildbrand Baukamp. Uh, I'm a Java developer. So that's what brings me to JFall. Uh, also to see what's happening in the Java world, uh, and also to meet uh, other people. Uh, and Are you a regular visitor? Is this the first time you are JFall? No, I've been here for many times. Many, I, I, I can't remember when it was the first time. But I didn't find someone yet who did all 20. <laughs> no, I, 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 pretty close, I think. Yeah, I think pretty close, yeah. 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 Um, what sessions are you looking forward to today? What did you already see? Um, I. I I saw a session about uh, profiling. Uh, that's interesting for the project I'm currently working on to get some some better insight in mm -hmm. how the application is working. And I'm also interested in in more uh, uh, talks about uh, a little bit about software development in general and, and uh, how people approach things. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, the keynote about uh, software as an art uh, was very interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, what's your role as a Java developer? What are you mainly working on? Uh, I'm, main, I'm mainly kind of the lead developer slash architect 
uh, and main, yeah, working both backend and frontend. Basically, the whole uh, mm -hmm. the full stack. And which version of Java? Because that's a hot topic um, now. Yeah, uh, version eleven and seventeen. Yeah, yeah. So one application is still running eleven, and the new application is running on seventeen. But the migration from eleven to seventeen should be easier than what we had before. Yes, certainly, uh, because the big best step was from A to eleven, mm -hmm. but we use uh, the GW2T GWT, mm -hmm. um, and uh, we have some issues in migrating it to yeah. 17 especially with other libraries that we use that are not up to date yeah, uh, yeah and they're not up to date yeah um how do you see the move to a next long-term support version like 21 is that something which is welcome or is that a problem within the company no it's no problem i think mm. no no so it, it's it's just not on our on our schedule yet but uh it's no problem at mm -hmm. all um, what do you think is most important by moving up? Is it uh, new features? Is it developer experience? Um, maybe getting more performance? All of the above. All of the above. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When you're working with uh, the older versions, to, to say so, like like I'm mostly working on 11 and now just starting to work with 17, basically for a year or so. But mm -hmm. be, you're so busy developing, you don't look at what are actually the new features that you can use. Um, so you're now gradually finding out what you can use. <clears throat> For example, the records uh, mm -hmm. in uh, you can now use in 17 with our, our yeah. take much less code. Mm -hmm. uh, um, but I think there's still a lot of room for improvement to find out what kind of features there are and, and how to use them mm -hmm. and that we can use them uh, now. Are that the kind of things that you learn on a day like today? Um, yeah, uh, I, I try to, but there are so many talks that, that I have to choose. And then, yeah. then most of the time, the talks about what's new in Java, then I think, OK, I can look that up later. And there are more other interesting mm -hmm. talks. Uh, or I start talking to other people, and then I forgot about the sessions, because yeah. I think I can always look at the sessions at a later time. Yeah, indeed. And yeah. that's also the the kind of content you can find on Fuji. Yeah, yeah. For example, yeah. Okay. Um, or just follow you on Mastodon and then uh... <laughs> Fuji.social. That's yeah. our Mastodon, indeed. Yes, indeed. A small reminder: if you are looking for a new home on the internet to keep in touch with the Java community, you can create an account on our Mastodon instance, which you can find on Fuji.social. During JFall, one of the Fuji community members joined us at the booth to talk to the visitors about the Fuji website. If you watched this podcast on YouTube, you probably noticed him during a lot of the interviews in the background. But he also joined me on the microphone. Meet Paco. I'm Paco. I am here at JFall to help uh, Fuji in this case. I was uh, really wanted to go again because it's one of the best one-day conferences in say the world but definitely in the Netherlands I'm also from the Netherlands mm -hmm. even though now I travel all the way from Switzerland here and I'm, I'm here for yeah the people the community mostly because there are so many people I mean I'm from the Netherlands I know a lot of people here so I'm here for the networking but I also they have great talks and there's also a lot of cool companies around so yeah. so bo both the talks and the exhibition hall are important here Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think I will be completely exhausted at the end of this day of talking to so many people. Uh, what are you doing within the Java world? 
Um, so I work, personally, I work as a software engineer. So I mostly do what every Java backend developer does. And beside that, I also um, try to speak at conferences, spread a bit of knowledge as well, mm -hmm. which I really like uh, to do as well in the Java community. And what is the topic that you're talking about? Um, so I've talked a lot about mutation testing, which I'm a really big fan of, and um, also working on a new talk related to code quality, code reviewing, and hope to spread some knowledge there as well, things I learned from uh, the companies I joined. Mm -hmm. uh, how are you looking at the evolutions in Java? Because since we have this six-month release cycle, things are evolving very fast. Is that a good thing? Um, I think it's a good thing, but I also, to be honest, if you work at a company, they usually stick to LTS releases, so it doesn't move that fast for me anyway. I mean, mm -hmm. you go from Java 17 to, I think, 21, so there's plenty of time to sort of already learn, there's conference yeah. talks, and then view it up. I, I kind of like it because it also means that the features in the versions in between are already better tested instead yeah. of the big bang releases and then having to wait a couple of uh, minors. Yeah, for, yeah. For sure. Do you think there's a difference between big and small companies of how fast they adopt a new version? I mean, I can imagine that a small company might adopt faster, especially if they, but it, on the other hand, you also want stability. You also don't want to be constantly working on updating, even though it's not that much work to update, yeah, yeah. create a new job. Nowadays, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question, actually. I, yeah. I don't know. I think LTS usually is for the support that people like it. They don't want things to be broken. Yeah. And we close the J4 reviews with Willem. He was already a guest in an earlier podcast as one of the organizers of the Utrecht Jug. And it was great to speak with him again. Hi, uh, my name is Willem van der Giend. And uh, yeah, I'm visiting J4 every year to meet uh, people from the community, uh, former colleagues, uh, other people I know, and um, enjoy uh, the atmosphere of the community. You were in one of our previous podcasts because you're also... I'm also a jug leader of the Utrecht Java user group. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had you as a speaker in uh, September. And then you made the podcast. Yeah, uh, indeed. So, yeah. And now you're back. And now I'm um, back, yeah. Are you here to find speakers for the jug, for instance? Uh, also, yeah. I'm, I'm here for uh, meeting people, networking, and also uh, uh, watching some talks, some probably interesting uh, talks, uh, like uh, what the subject is, but also the speaker itself, uh, to hear them and see them live. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's true. Which talks did you already join? Well, not anyone yet, but <laughs> probably this afternoon. I have to see the schedule, uh, which uh, I'm going to see. It, uh, it's a bit fun to see that a lot of people are here and they find the, the interaction as important as yeah. having a few sessions. I, I think that's one of the unique things of JFall. It's the 20th uh, anniversary now. And uh, every year I, I, I say it's it's like, the party of the year. I, I meet former colleagues, other people I know, and and uh, so the, the the networking is probably more fun than the talks itself. Which is also a big important factor of a jug. Yeah, and that it's I think a proof of the community that we have a very uh, a good and active community here in the Netherlands. We have the annual jug with the events. We have the local jugs like Utrecht Jug, also Amsterdam, Arnhem, Apeldoorn, Brabant Jug, Rotterdam Jug. So a lot of uh, uh, things to do, and uh, if you are a developer and you want uh, to 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 get knowledge, to hear me, to to, to go to meetups, there is uh, every month you have several options yeah, to go. Yeah. And, uh, and Geert Jan, my colleague, is even organizing them now in his living room. Yeah, a very small oh, okay. jug in Amsterdam. Oh, nice. So nice. Uh, yeah. we have, yeah, have and, much... and, the, 
and in Belgium uh, now the 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 Bayjuk is also uh, are, active indeed. again. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so people have a lot of choice within a very small region. Uh, but that's the fun yeah. thing about the community. Everyone yeah. loves to speak about why they love Java, what they are using it for, and what they learned. Yeah, and and um, I think that's at, at least here in this part of Europe is very active. We also uh, see how quick events like DevOps and J4 were sold out. Uh, it's also a proof that uh, people are uh, willing to, to to meet people, but also to to see talks, to hear talks, uh, to learn from uh, other developers. Because this is really a community event. On stage mm. are several developers, and not only the hotshots from all over the world. And uh, that's that's very good. Uh, mm -hmm. And and also like the meetups, uh, as also like the logo meetups, uh, on average uh, 45, 50 uh, people who attend mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, thanks for this talk. I interrupted you on your walk to yeah, the food. I'm going to the barbecue. I'm, uh, I'm a little bit hungry now, so okay. good to have food. Uh, hey. And that brings us to the end of the J4 reviews. Four parts to bring you all the interviews I had during the day covering many different topics related to Java and the developer life. I hope you enjoyed these episodes and learned from it. I definitely had a great time in the movie theater in Ede. Keep an eye on Fuji for future articles and podcasts about development and everything related to the Java world. Thanks for listening. Give me a foo, give me a J, give me the friends of OpenJDK.